Well, we have been in a series here looking at different things that God has called each Christian to be, each member of the local church to be, and we have seen how every member is a minister. We looked at Ephesians 4, and we saw that. We looked at how um, God has called us to be a kingdom of priests or a royal priesthood, depending on if you're reading in Exodus or in 1 Peter, and then, of course, that is mentioned in other places as well. Um, especially we, we look at Revelation chapter 5, and we see how at the end of time, uh, when Christ is, is be, about to open the scrolls that bring about the end of time, um, that he is praised by those in heaven. He is praised uh, for making himself a people, for ransom, ransoming a people from every tribe and tongue and nation. And so... When we look at that, when we look at these things that God has called us to be, it's important for us to all realize that we have a responsibility as followers of Jesus to follow him wholeheartedly, no matter where he calls us. And last week, we looked at how God has called every member to be a missionary. And we're going to continue that today. But last week, we looked in Luke chapter 10, and we saw how Jesus sent out the 72. And of course, that's a very special situation that is not a typical situation of sending out, but this was a special situation that we looked at and we could learn from about how God calls each one of us to be a missionary. And today, we're going to look at that part two of, of that sermon, how every member is a missionary. And, and, and in doing that, we're going to move to Acts chapter 20. And so if you can turn your Bibles with me to Acts chapter 20. And in looking at Acts chapter 20, we're going to look at the life of Paul. Now, we're going to start in verse 17, and so you can go ahead and scroll there. And what I want to let you know before we um, get into this is that we're going to be looking at a time of transition in Paul's life. And many of us have gone through transitions of different sorts uh, in life, and specifically we will be looking at when Paul decided that it was time for him to move from one place to another. And as many of you who have moved, I know that, uh, Jimmy, uh, were you born and raised in Texas? And I don't know how you ended up here, but hey, we're glad to have you. Uh, <laughs> that's right. <laughs> and uh, you spent some time in Louisiana, I know, and it, all over. Um, he's like Johnny Cash. He's been everywhere, man. Anyway, uh, uh, so, the, how many of you, let me ask this, how many of you have uh, ever moved from one house to another in your lifetime? Anybody? Okay, I think most, most of us in here, unless we're under a certain age. Um, all right, how many of you have moved from one town to another in your lifetime? L look around, that's almost every single person in the room, Okay. All right, how many of you have moved from one state to another in your lifetime? That's over half the people in this room. So we live in a world that is on the move, and more, more so now than ever before. And what's interesting is, is if you just go back a couple hundred years, of course, we don't have that. Now, we have people moving from, uh, in, in a very special time, moving over onto this land, Right? If you go back a few hundred years, two, three hundred years, we have people moving over. But for the most part, throughout history, most people have stayed pretty close to home. Not always, but typically. 
And now we live in a time where that's not true. Uh, a lot of times, currently in the United States, most people are moving to cities. And there's always been things where people have moved from this place to that place for different reasons. A lot of times because of work, the jobs are available. Um, but we're going to look at a time in Paul's life when he moved, all right? So uh, this question is for a- anyone who is um, under 12th grade or under. So if you're 12th grade or under, this question is for you. All right, y'all listening? 12th gr- uh, school children, are y'all ready? Here's my question. How many of you have ever moved to a different town? Anybody? Okay. All right. So some was that easy? Was it difficult? What was your experience? You just say it out loud. Easy? I don't know about that, Michael. It was what? Embarrassing? You had to move four hours away? I'm sorry. Michael, I didn't know you were settled yet. How long have you been here? Three years? Going on that, something like that? Well, uh, moving can be difficult, right? And so it's, it's di- it can be difficult for us. Sometimes it can be enjoyable. Sometimes we, uh, we enjoy moving to the new place. But it can also be difficult and stressful. And it's also difficult for the people we have to leave behind, right? I know for us, when we moved here, we're only four hours from home. It's not like we're in a different country or something like that. Um, but it was, it was difficult. John said almost. Uh, but it was difficult to, for our parents. We left our parents behind. For uh, my grandmother, that's our only living, for Rose and I, our only living grandparent. It was difficult to leave her behind. And, and it, it, it was difficult in the people that we left and, and the college students and the church that we left behind. But it's exciting also to move forward. And so just when you're thinking about Paul, and, and we're going to be talking about Paul this morning, he had to make a lot of sacrifices. For there, was, there were certain times when he was constantly on the move from one place to another. Then there were other times when he got to settle down. This was one of those times... As we, it's come to the end of it in the passage that we're about to read. But this was one of those times when he was able to settle uh, for a while. And in Paul's life, if you were to go back, I believe it's Acts chapter 13. If you were to go back to Acts chapter 13, um, the Holy Spirit tells the leaders of the church at Antioch to send out Barnabas and, and Saul. And so they are, are sent out at that moment. And they begin to go from place to place to share the gospel. They're missionaries. They're, they're there to, be, to start churches, to plant churches, to, to minister and evangelize. And they're, they're doing these things. And sometimes they get to stop for a little while. They get to stop in Corinth for a, a, about a year and a half. And, of course, you know that Paul has a close relationship to the church at Corinth. And he wrote two letters to them that are in our Bible, the first and second Corinthians. And then... We see here that in Ephesus, if you were to go back one chapter to chapter 19, you would be able to see that he was, uh, while I believe Barnabas or whoever, maybe Silas, whoever he was with at the time, was at Antioch, and he, he somebody, Apollos, Apollos, I think it was Apollos, forgive me, this wasn't going to be part of my sermon, but anyway, uh, so Paul goes on, and he he's going to 
do a little ministry in Ephesus. And when he gets there, he realizes that there are these people there who believe in God, but they haven't heard the full gospel. They haven't heard everything that's going on with Jesus. And they, they, they heard John's teaching, uh, but they hadn't heard Jesus, John the Baptist, but they hadn't heard Jesus' teaching. And so um, Paul tells them about Jesus. They become followers of Jesus. Many of them believe. And he begins this church at Ephesus. And he goes on to stay there in Ephesus for two years. And that's where we are now. And I will say that he has recently, the Holy Spirit has recently led him to the decision that he needs to go back to Jerusalem. He needs to go to Jerusalem. And that's where we're going to pick up in um, verse 17 of chapter 20 is when Paul He's on the trip when he discovers this, and he's coming back toward Ephesus, but he, he, doesn't, he feels so confident that he's supposed to go to Jerusalem that he's not even going to go the 30 miles into Ephesus. He sent ahead for them to meet him in Miletus. So let's read this, and starting in verse 17. Now from Miletus he sent to Ephesus and called the elders of the church to come to him. So he's, he's calling for the leaders, the elders of the church, to come meet him in Miletus. Verse 18, and when they came to him, he said to them, you yourselves know how I lived among you the whole time from the first day that I set foot in Asia. So he's saying to them, look, I've been here. I've been with you. I've been this whole time I've been here. I've, I've, I've literally like been working at this and I've been here with you physically, spiritually, all of it. Verse 19, serving the Lord with all humility and with tears and with trials that happened to me through the plots of the Jews. Now, when he says the Jews like this, it's important to remember that Paul himself was Jewish. This is not a racial slur. He is just identifying the group of people who has been uh, harassing him. Also, when we, when we read in the New Testament the Jews, it can mean multiple things. A lot of times it's referring specifically to the religious leaders in Jerusalem, right? But sometimes it's referring more to the Jewish people in general. And then other times, often, it's referring to people who are against Jesus, um, Jewish people who are against Jesus. And so here, I just wanted to point that out before we continue to read. But look at the at verse 19. Look at what Paul is saying here. He, he has been serving the Lord there in Ephesus and from Ephesus. He has done some ministry in surrounding areas, but he's been based there for two years. He's been serving the Lord in Asia for two years, and he's been doing it with all humility and with tears and with trials. And as we continue to read, it's obvious that the reason he has these tears is because of his heart to see people come to know the Lord. And if you were to read previous chapters and future chapters in Acts, you would be able to see that. If you were to read Paul's letters that he wrote to some of these churches that we've already named, you would see his heart for people to know the Lord and to follow the Lord and to have a relationship with him. His entire life, his entire focus and his purpose has been to make much of Jesus, to let people know who he is so that they can follow him. This has been his goal, and he is making this clear here in, in verse 19, that no matter the cost, he's been faithful. He's been doing it. Despite the plots, he's been doing it. Verse 20. How I did not shrink from declaring to you anything that was profitable 
and teaching you in public and from house to house. Paul was not a coward. He was willing to teach what needed to be taught. He was willing to tell people about Jesus no matter the cost. And he did it publicly in the houses of worship, but he also did it privately in the homes of worship. And he did it publicly so that all could know, and he did it privately so that those who had put their faith in Jesus could hear and could grow. And so, again, there's that large group and and small group that we have been talking about. He's been doing it in public. He's been doing it from house to house. Verse 21 testifying both to Jews and to Greeks of repentance toward God and of faith in our Lord Jesus Christ. And so the, the story of repentance had, had kind of come through this area before. Uh, when, when John the Baptist, his ministry, it, it, word had reached this location about this. And, of course, the law drew, the, in the Old Testament, the law was supposed to draw people to repentance. And so there had been some teaching of repentance, but now he's given them the full picture, the whole story of repentance through Jesus Christ and how Christ could forgive our sins and how we're to have faith in him. So they're pre- he's preaching the gospel. Verse 22, and now behold, I am going to Jerusalem. Now I'm going to pause there because there's this transition and now this is what he's been doing. And now, this is where he's going. Now, we're going to read about this in just a moment. But I want us to reflect right now, for each one of us in this room, if we were to say, and now, then what comes before that? How faithful have we been in sharing the gospel? How faithful have we been in not shying away from teaching repentance and faith in Christ? Or have we been bold? Like Paul, can we say, I have not shrunk away. I have, I have done what God has called me to do. I have been the man, the woman, the boy, the girl that God has called me to be for him and for his glory. I have told people of the love of Jesus. I have made it clear to the people, people around me, to the people I work with, to the people I go to school with, to the people in the, this town, in the next town, in this state, in the next state, uh, across the nations, Whatever God has called you to do, have you been faithful in making him known where he has called you to be? And that's a question for all of us to consider, for all of us to think about. I can remember my senior year of high school, January, I get saved. I put my faith in Jesus, and it hits me. I have three months left in February when I am thinking about this. I have three months left to tell all these people that I had grown up with my entire life and who I might not see again, and for many of them, I've never seen them again since graduation. I had three months left to tell them about the love of Jesus. And I was able to lead about 13 or so of my friends to Christ in the next few months. But how many of my friends didn't come to know him and still don't know him today? Time is short. Time is in seasons. Life is in seasons. And now Paul is going to Jerusalem. And now a new season begins. And for me, as many of you, you can look back on your life and you can see these seasons. You can see 
that God has called you to certain places in certain times. And for us and our family as pastors, right, it's kind of clear cut. We're called here to Mansfield. We're called to be here. We're called to do ministry. We're called to do these things. But I'm not talking about just pastors. This is about Paul, right? This is Paul's story. However, from the past three weeks, we've looked at how God has called all of us to the obedience to which he is calling Paul now. Now, he's calling Paul to a specific location, to a specific place, and that's for Paul. But he calls all of us to specific obediences. That might be right here in Mansfield, and it might be to the ends of the earth. Obedience means that we're willing to say yes to whatever God is calling us to do. We're willing to obey whatever God is calling us to do. And now God is calling Paul to Jerusalem. But there have been several and nows in my life. There was the and now it's time to go to college. And now it's time to be a minister. And now it's time to move to Alabama after Rose and I got married. And now, thank God, it's time to move back to Arkansas. I'm just playing. We liked Alabama. And, it's, and now it's time to be a pastor. And now it's time to work for the convention and be a collegiate minister. And now it's time to move to Mansfield. And, and all of us have those and now moments in our life. All of us can look back and see the and nows. But we better be faithful now. Because the end now is coming. And one day, the end now will be, and now it's time to leave this earth. And when that day comes, just as we can see this in many stages of life before, it's not just over for the people we went to high school with as far as us being able to share the gospel with them and love them. It's not just over for those that we went to college with or worked with or lived in the same town with, or were part of our family, or whatever the case might be, and now it's going to be a time, and now, that it's the end, where there, there are no more opportunities for ministry. There are no more opportunities to share the gospel with people, because Christ has returned. And so, how faithful have we been in this season of our life? How faithful have we been? Are we being faithful this past week, this past month, this past year? Have we been faithful in what God has called us to do? Because if the answer is sort of or not really or whatever the answer, maybe your answer is absolutely. If we don't make changes, tomorrow is not going to be different than yesterday. And so what changes do we need to make? In order to be the people that God has called us to be. In order to be the, the, the minister. In order to be the priest. In order to be the missionary that he has called us to be. What changes do we need to make where we are right now? Because for the rest of this sermon, we're going to be looking at the and now part and what's to come. But in order for us to be ready for what's to come, we have to make some decisions in the here and now. And so my question to you is, have you been serving the Lord with all humility, with tears and trials? Have you been serving the Lord by going out and being faithful and sharing the message of repentance and faith in Jesus? Have you been loving people? Have you been meeting needs? Have you been helping those who are poor? Have you been helping those who are sick? Have you been visiting those who are downtrodden? Have you been 
visiting those who are incarcerated? Have you been visiting those who have no hope and have no help? Have you been visiting those in your family? And when I say visit, that's just a loose term for spending time with them and loving them and hanging out with them and doing life with them. And so have you been doing those things? Well, I'll just chase the rabbit. All right, where are we at? Verse verse, verse 22. Yeah, I'm going to start over at the beginning of verse 22. And now, behold, I'm going to Jerusalem. So think about how this must feel for those elders who have come from Ephesus, where Paul has spent his last two years pouring into them, loving them, preaching around town and, and around the whole area, and, and meeting in, from home to home and pouring into these leaders specifically, especially, I should say. And, and now, behold, I'm going to Jerusalem, constrained by the Spirit. This is the same word in, in the Greek that is used for tying up, for bounding, for binding. Like, he has, the, he has no choice because the Holy Spirit in his life has so strongly spoken this to him, and he knows what he's supposed to do. He is constrained. He has to do this. And now, behold, I'm going to Jerusalem, constrained by the Spirit, not knowing what will happen to me there. That's scary, right? If we trust God, if we say yes to whatever he wants, we don't know what's to come. Paul doesn't know what's to come. In fact, I should say that he does know a little of what's to come, and he's going to obey anyway. And so let me keep reading so I can explain what I mean by that. Verse 23, except that the Holy Spirit testifies to me in every city that imprisonment and afflictions await me. He's been living free in Ephesus. For the most part, he's, he's, things have been pretty good. And now he's leaving for Jerusalem even knowing that imprisonment and inflictions await me. And here we are, scared to, to show the love of Jesus and talk about the love of Jesus because we're scared about what someone might think or if someone might think we're crazy or what it will do to our social status or if we're talking about work, maybe our economic status. And, and don't get me wrong, I'm not saying be foolish. I'm not saying just go out and scream Jesus everywhere. That's not what Paul did. Paul was bold. Paul was willing to take risks. Paul was willing to go to prison. But if you read Acts, Paul was smart. There, there comes a time later in Acts where he's brought before the, the Roman ruler and he uh, requests to, for trial before Caesar because he knows that the Jewish people are wanting to kill him. And he requests a trial there. And he doesn't say things that he could say. He holds his tongue there so that he can say them in another place. Sometimes it is appropriate to, without restraint, share the gospel fully to its end no matter the cost. And then other times, it's appropriate to hold our tongues, to wait. Now, in order for us to know the fullness of when that is, that, that requires us to have a healthy relationship with the Lord. 
so that in wisdom we know what the scripture would advise and we have a relationship close enough with him that we know what the Holy Spirit is testifying to within us. And so that's what Paul had. And here the Holy Spirit was testifying to him that in every city imprisonment and afflictions awaited him. So let's go to verse 24. But I do not account my life of any value nor as precious to myself. If only I may finish my course in the ministry that I received from the Lord Jesus to testify to the gospel of the grace of God. He's just wanting to do what God has called him to do. And that he knows, hey, as long as he's alive, he's going to be sharing the gospel. He's going to be loving people. And if his life is cut off, his life is cut off. It's not his, it's God's. And so he has ultimate faith. And I'm not, I'm not saying that we're all there, but I'm saying that it's something we should strive for. And I'm saying that as we are trying to determine what God has for us, we can't be scared about what the future holds. We can't be scared about what the cost of obedience is. We have to be willing to obey. We have to have our yes on the table, as we've talked about before. No matter what question God asks us, if he's asking us to follow him in obedience, the answer is, yes, I will. Is that our attitude? Are we ready to follow him no matter where he calls us? I believe that our family, I believe that we are. Now, is there a little anxiety and fear in saying that we're willing to go wherever God leads us? Absolutely. He might call us in two months to China, or he might call us to stay here for the next 40 years. Are there fear in both of those things? Absolutely. I'm just picking. But we have to have our yes on the table to whatever he has called us to do. And I don't want to just influence our church the people who are in here, in this building. I mean, I want to do that, obviously. But I want our influence to spread outside of these walls. I want our influence to spread to other churches. I want our influence to spread to the ends of the earth. Because what we have is the gospel. What we have is the love of Jesus. And this message that we are to obey no matter the cost. No matter what. And I just really believe that in America, that this calling that is for all of us, that this calling has fallen on deaf ears lately. That we have forgotten that we are a royal priesthood, a people for his own possession, to proclaim the excellencies of him who has called us out of darkness and into his marvelous light. Once we were not a people, but now we are God's people. Once we had not received mercy, but now we have received mercy. We are his royal priesthood. We are his ministers. We are his missionaries. He has called us to be his people, to take his message to the ends of the earth. And we start right here, and we don't stop until he's told us to stop. And if we start here and tomorrow, he says, I want you to move to Huntington. It's a big move, right? A mile down the road. Then you move to Huntington. And if he says, I want you to move to Greenwood, then you move to Greenwood. I mean, we could go south too, but I'm just using north as an example. If he said move to Fayetteville, you move to Fayetteville. 
If he said, move to Jefferson City, I don't know what's in Jefferson City. I've never been there, but I would move to Jefferson City. If he says, move to Canada, then I'm moving to Canada. I'm going wherever God calls me to go, and that's what he wants for all of us. Every single one of us. You don't have to be the pastor to know that you have a responsibility to follow God wherever he will lead. We are all missionaries, every single one of us. It might be a missionary to our job. It might be a missionary to our family. It might be a missionary to our fellow students if we're still in school. It might be a missionary to another country, to another culture, to a, to a tribe that has never heard the name of Jesus. It might be a missionary to, if, if you're into video games, other people who are into video games. If, if you're into shopping, other people who are into shopping. If you're into woodworking, other people who are into woodworking. If you're into hunting, other people who are into hunting. We are called to be missionaries. Who are, who's your tribe right now? What tribe do you belong to? Those people that you spend your time with. Those people that you're connected with. The people that you have no choice because they're your family. Or you are connected to them through like interests or a job or whatever the case might be. Reach them for Jesus. You have a responsibility to be a missionary. And that's what Paul knew, is that his life wasn't his own. He was willing to go wherever God led. Verse 25. And now, we're seeing this a lot, aren't we? He had been in Ephesus, and now he's going to Jerusalem. He had given his life in complete obedience to Jesus in a willingness to go wherever God has called him to and to be faithful and to proclaim the gospel in Ephesus for the past two years. And now, behold, I know that none of you among whom I have gone out about proclaiming the kingdom will see my face again. This is it. No more return trips to Ephesus for Paul. Wherever God is calling him, Ephesus is not in the future. This must be really tough for the people at Ephesus to hear this because they could think, okay, he's going to Jerusalem, but he'll be back, right? Because Paul is notorious for checking in, checking back in with his churches. And, and he, he has the ability to do that through correspondence, through letter, but he will not see their face again. Verse 26, therefore, I testify to you this day that I am innocent of the blood of all. For I did not shrink from declaring to you the whole counsel of God. So what is Paul talking about here? Well, I believe, most people believe that he is referencing the watchman in Ezekiel where there is this spiritual watchman that has been put up on this tower and it, we're, we're going to envision an actual watchman, right? That there's a city that has walls around it that's a little protected, but it has, you know, potential to be... Um, invaded and so they put watchmen up and it's the watchman's job to stay up at night and to keep watch for anyone coming with a sword and if he sees someone coming the watchman is to cry out to alert the people and if the watchman is asleep or if the watchman chooses not to warn the people then what happens the enemy comes in and the enemy destroys and Paul is saying that he has kept watch 
Paul is saying that he has been obedient. Paul is saying that none of the blood is on my hands because Ezekiel says that if, if the watchman is not doing his job, then the blood is on his hands. So here's my question to you, watchman. What about your families? What about your place of employment? What about your school? Have you been keeping watch? What about your town? What about our state? What about our nation? Have we been praying? Have we been sharing the gospel? What about this world where God created every single person who exists? The image of God is on them and in them. God loves everyone so much that he sent his son to die. And we have a responsibility to make his name known among the nations so that people can cry out to him, so that people can repent and have faith as Paul has been preaching. And Paul is saying that he has done his job and he's moving on, but the blood of anyone who chose not to follow Jesus is not on his hands because he has done his job. Can we say the same? Have we done our job in loving people and sharing the gospel? Have we done our job? Verse 27. I'm sorry, verse 28. No, well, I'm sorry. Let's look at verse 27. I'm I'm back and forth here. (laughs) For I did not shrink from declaring to you the whole counsel of God. Paul was telling them all of what the Scripture said and all of what he had himself witnessed and the disciples had witnessed. He had been teaching them the whole counsel of God. Pay careful attention, verse 28, to yourselves and to all the flock. Remember, he's talking to elders. And so I do not take lightly this warning from Paul, the warning from Ezekiel, that I'm a watchman over this flock. The warning that we are to be careful. Pay careful attention to yourselves and to all the flock in which the Holy Spirit has made you overseer elders, it's episkopos is the Greek word here, and so we, we have to meet, be sure that when God gives us a spiritual, when God gives us spiritual authority in the lives of other people, that we are who God has called us to be to them, to care for the church of God, which he obtained with his own blood. I know that after my departure, fierce wolves will come in among you. How does Paul know this? Because where there are sheep, there are wolves. And Paul has been fighting the wolves. It's not like they weren't trying to come in when Paul was there, but he was there to defend them. And wolves will try to come into this flock. And if we're honest, there might already be one present. We have to go to the counsel of God's word to know the difference between sheep and wolves. We have to to look at the fruit of an individual's life to see, are they living for God or are they living for something else? We have to be careful. This is Christ's church that he bought with his blood. We are to protect it. So the wolves come in, not sparing the flock. Verse 30. And from among your own selves will arise men speaking twisted things 
to draw away the disciples after them. Therefore, be alert, remembering that for three years I did not cease night or day to admonish everyone with tears. And now I commend you to God and to the word of his grace, which is able to build you up and to give you the inheritance among all those who are sanctified. I coveted no one's silver or gold or apparel. You yourselves know that these hands ministered to my necessities and to those who were with me. In all things I have shown you that by working hard in this way, we must help the weak and remember the words of the Lord Jesus, how he himself said, it is more blessed to give than to receive. Now, what's interesting is, is that these words of Jesus are not anywhere in the four Gospels. But at the end of John, what do we read? That I suppose if all the words of Jesus and all the things that he taught were put, it would, it would be in more books than the world could hold, right? And so here, what is this thing that we're learning from the mouth of Paul that Jesus said is more blessed to give than to receive? Now, obviously, we see this in his teachings, maybe not these words, but this truth in his teachings and in his life and in the testimony of who he is. But it's important for us to remember that we're not just selling some idea of gospel. We're to live out the gospel. That we're to give everything of who we are, our finances, our time, our efforts, our our gifts, our talents, everything of who we are, we are to give to the Lord to serve him and people are going like individuals or people are going to be the beneficiaries of those gifts right we are going to show the love of Christ by helping people by being there for them in their times of need it is not evangelism or social gospel or justice it's both We are to share the love of Christ in word, but we are to show the love of Christ in our actions. We are to be like Jesus. And if we're going to be like Jesus, then we're going to love people. We're going to help people. Look at the way that Jesus lived his life. It It was full of those things. Verse 36. And when he had said these things, he knelt down and prayed with them all. And there was much weeping on the part of all. They embraced Paul. And kissed him, being sorrowful, most of all, because of the word he had spoken, that they would not see his face again. And they accompanied him to the ship. He's gone. How many of you have had to say goodbye to people you love? It's difficult. Sometimes, maybe that's people in your church, maybe You've had to leave a church before. Sometimes the death takes many forms, right? Even while alive, an old Christian song that I'm quoting from. And when we look at life, there are so many times when we have to say goodbye. And my question to you today is, when those goodbyes come, Have we been faithful in the time that preceded? Have you been faithful? Have I been faithful in sharing the word of repentance and 
faith in the Lord Jesus? Have we been faithful in loving others and giving to others? Because it is better to give than to receive. Have we been faithful in boldly speaking truth inside these walls, but also outside these walls? And in homes, have we been in people's homes? When's the last time you were in someone's home? Not a family member, not someone you had to be in their home, but because you wanted to be there. And then add this to it. When was the last time you were in someone's home for the purpose of showing them the love of Jesus and telling them about the love of Jesus? If you're having a hard time remembering, that's not good. When's the last time you had someone in your home for the purpose of loving them? For the purpose of showing them the love of Jesus and telling them about the love of Jesus? When's the last time you went out to eat with someone? I'm just trying to think of creative ways that we spend time with people, right? Depending on your season of life, maybe it's Little League, maybe it's the Garden Club. Who knows where we're spending time with people. But when's the last time that we shared the love of Christ with the people around us? Paul, he did his job in Ephesus. And now God is calling him back to Jerusalem, where when he gets there, People will falsely accuse him. He will be arrested. He will be tried. He will be sent to Rome. He will continue to stay in custody in Rome. And when the book of Acts ends, Paul is still a prisoner. And during that time as, his prisoner, as a prisoner, he writes letters to the churches that we, have now, we now have included in our Bible. If Paul would have stayed in Ephesus, we might not have had those letters. If Paul would have stayed in Ephesus, he wouldn't have been a witness to the people in Jerusalem and in Rome. He was willing to go wherever God called him to go. It's so much, in fact, that I read this week that it's estimated that Paul walked on his missionary journeys, all of them combined, 10,000 miles. That's New York to Los Angeles, back to New York, back to Los Angeles. That's a lot of walking. What are we doing to share the gospel? What are we doing to make him known? He is worthy of our worship. And he is worthy of being known among the nations. He is worthy. That's why we go and share the gospel. And then secondary to that, people need him. People need Jesus. They need him here for the physical, for the temporal, for the things that we go through day to day. And they need him especially for eternity. Because without him, we cannot come into the presence of God for an eternity. And so where are you this morning? You have to respond to to whatever God is leading you. The Spirit testified to Paul. And I believe that this morning the Spirit will testify to some of you. Maybe for some of you... You've never followed Jesus, and the Holy Spirit is saying, receive him, follow him, trust him, put your faith in him, repent of your sins and turn to him. If that's you this morning, then do that. Call on the name of Jesus. I'll be right down here in just a moment, and you can come and talk to me, and you can tell me what's going on in your heart, and I can help counsel you in in what you need to do and how you can respond. Or maybe you know, 
Maybe you don't need any counsel. Maybe you know you need Jesus and you need to call out to him. And if that's the case, you call out to him right now and ask him to save you. And then you make it public. You let let people know. You tell people, I'm a follower of Jesus. And the best way to do that is through baptism. The Bible says that once we have put our faith in him, once we have been saved, that in order to show others the change that has happened to us internally, we are buried and brought back to life figuratively in baptism. Fairly literally and spiritually happening. And so when we ask ourselves right now, what do we need to do? What is the Holy Spirit testifying to? Maybe some of you know, I have no idea what the future holds. I just know that before now, I have not been living my life the way I need to. And now, and now, I want to live wholeheartedly for Him. I don't know what that looks like. I don't know where that's going to lead me. I don't know if I get to stay here in Mansfield or have to move somewhere else. But now I want to live for Him. You respond to God in whatever way He's leading. If you need to come to the altars and pray, if you need to kneel, if you need to sit where you are or get on your face or go home now so you can spend some more time with the Lord, whatever God is leading you to do, you, you respond to Him. Let's pray, and then we'll have our invitation. God, we love you. I pray that you would speak to every heart emphatically right now, that we would know how you want us to respond. It's in Jesus' name we pray. Amen.